Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode of Undistracted is brought to you by our sponsor, Chambord, an all-natural black raspberry liqueur produced in the Loire Valley of France. With the holidays behind us, we have officially entered the hunker down, bundle up, and waited out part of winter. Just because we are staying home and relying often on takeout doesn't mean we can't treat ourselves to a fancy dining experience complete with a cocktail. Chambord makes easy, elevated cocktails possible thanks to the ability to pair a range of spirits and even sparkling wines for fun, fruity concoctions. To save you from needing to head outside, Chambord and Drizzly are offering undistracted listeners a discount on delivery. To redeem, visit drizzly.com and use code GIFTSHAMBOARD, all caps, all one word, at checkout. Remember, please drink responsibly. This offer is valid now through March 15th, 2022, void where prohibited. Available to new Drizzly users only, must be 21 or older. Shambord Black Raspberry Liqueur, 16.5 ABV, Brown Foreman, Louisville, Kentucky. Shambord is a registered trademark, copyright 2022. Hey y'all, it's Brittany. This was a big week for your girl. I filmed an episode of PBS's Finding Your Roots all the way last year, and it finally aired. Host and professor Henry Louis Gates Jr. and his team of incredible researchers revealed that my ancestors included Civil War heroes, activists, a nurse who saved lives during an active shooter situation in 1981, and my four-time maternal great-grandmother, Joanna, who was born enslaved, mothered 24 children, and lived to be at least 98. She died free and kept three generations of her family together through the atrocities of slavery to see them through into emancipation. This was a terribly difficult thing to do, practically unheard of at the time, to keep three generations together. Professor Gates even found my paternal grandfather, a man I never knew and for years I thought was somebody else entirely. I have a whole new part of my family to get to know and their generosity in sharing my grandfather's story has me in all my feels because they unlocked a door I never even knew was closed. So now these days when I say that our ancestors did far more with far less, I'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Freedom fighting is officially in my bloodline and the names of my people are no longer in ancestral purgatory. So here's to Joanna, my grandfather James, Ebenezer, and all of our ancestors who are still shining their light to light the path to our future. We are undistracted.
On the show today, our friend Latasha Brown. I'll be talking to the co-founder of Black Voters Matter about why she and several other voting rights groups in Georgia sat out from President Biden's speech in Atlanta this week. We're saying that we are frustrated, that we are tired, and it is time up. That at this point, what we expect is just as we deliver to the president, you know, we believe that we should have voting rights delivered to us. That's coming up, but first, it's your untrending news. Michelle Obama says we have to vote like the future of our democracy depends on it. My forever first lady wrote that in a letter titled Fight for Your Vote that was published in the New York Times on Sunday. In it, she said her voting rights group, When We All Vote, will work together with other organizations to register a million new voters before the midterms in November. The letter also said they plan to train at least 100,000 volunteers to help people register and recruit thousands of lawyers to protect voters in states where, quote, the freedom to vote is threatened. Right now, dangerous legislation is being proposed across the country that limits the freedom to vote, cast our ballots, and have our votes counted. Organizations such as the NAACP, Stacey Abrams' Fair Fight Action, Voto Latino Foundation, and 27 others signed the letter in solidarity. It's about a country that belongs to all of us. This is why a diversity of tactics is always necessary. Voters have to get registered, and When We All Vote is leading the way on that. And also, lawmakers sometimes have to be pressured into moving with urgency, as you'll hear about in my conversation with Latasha Brown. In the 2022 midterms, 35 seats in the Senate are up for re-election, as are all of the 435 seats in the House. In other words, way too much is at stake for us to leave any tool unused. It's time to get it all done. It's not going to be easy, but nothing this important ever is. The U.S. Mint has begun rolling out quarters featuring Maya Angelou. The legendary poet and activist is the first black woman to be celebrated on any coin. It is part of the American Women Quarters program, which will also feature other trailblazers like astronaut Sally Ride, Cherokee Nation chief Wilma Mankiller, Chinese-American movie star Anna Mae Wong, and Nina Otero Warren, the first female superintendent of Santa Fe, New Mexico public schools. Maya Angelou's quarters will be available later this month, and the rest of them will be in circulation this year. Imagine it, a black girl from a little village in Arkansas, now considered one of the most important writers. Imagine it. So here's what the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, had to say in a statement. Quote, each time we redesign our currency, we have the chance to say something about our country, what we value and how we've progressed as a society. Yeah. And many commentators, including our friend Brittany Cooper, have pointed out that black people were once American currency, and America is still doing very little to give black people actual capital. And I gotta say, I agree. Listen, we can talk all day about who belongs on the money and who doesn't, but I really want to spend our time talking about who and which communities we need to make sure are resourced with that money, no matter who's on it. And last but not least, two amazing trans women made incredible wins this past week. On Sunday night, 
Mother, Michaela J, aka MJ Rodriguez, became the first openly transgender actress to win a Golden Globe. There was no ceremony, but here's what MJ had to say on Instagram. This is for the LGBTQAI, Black, Latina, Asian, the many multi-beautiful colors of the rainbow around the freaking world. This is not just for me. This is for y'all. Ah, sis, you are a true inspiration. And this week, Amy Schneider became the first woman on Jeopardy to surpass $1 million in winnings. Your total today, $42,200, and a 28-day total of $1,019,600. Amy Schneider, you are just the fifth millionaire in Jeopardy history and only the fourth to do it in regular season play. In late December, Amy already broke the record, becoming the highest earning woman in the show's history. And Amy is, of course, spending time celebrating her wins and gently dragging transphobes on the internet. Yes, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Y'all, nothing pisses off anti-trans extremists more than seeing trans folks win. Personally, I love to see it. So let's give MJ Rodriguez and Amy Schneider all their flowers. Coming up, I'll be talking to activist Latasha Brown, who says she wants federal legislation on voting rights, not more speeches, right after this short break. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Our sponsor, Shambord, cares about championing unrepresented groups and creating a more inclusive world. They're partnering with us on the Undistracted Spotlight to amplify the brands of BIPOC women and gender nonconforming entrepreneurs. For today's episode, we want to shout out Deja Riley, the creator of Deja Riley Athletics, a fitness program which empowers and encourages others to live a happy and healthy life focused on the mind, body, and soul. Deja is the daughter of a prominent producer, singer, and songwriter and could have followed in her father's footsteps. But she chose her own path, leaving her career dancing for some amazing artists to pursue fitness. Now she applies that same mentality to her fitness business by helping customers discover the wellness path that is specifically right for them. From the lessons she's learned as an entrepreneur, she has a message for anyone starting their own business. Give yourself grace, kindness, and time. Amen to that. You can learn more by visiting www.dejariley.com. That's www.dejariley.com. The Undistracted Spotlight is brought to you by our sponsor, Shumpford Liqueur. And we are back. 
So y'all, <laughs> tears have not stopped streaming down my face since my Finding Your Roots episode aired. It has me thinking about so much, like how do I truly honor my ancestors and what kind of ancestor am I becoming? And frankly, how long have we been fighting for freedom and how much longer are we gonna have to? That last question is especially relevant given the continual fight we wage for our most basic inalienable rights, like the right to vote. On Tuesday, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris traveled to Atlanta to talk up the importance of voting rights bills. I have met with voters in Georgia. I have heard your outrage. We will fight to secure our most fundamental freedom, the freedom to vote. It's also time to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. I've been having these quiet conversations with the members of Congress for the last two months. I'm tired of being quiet. Sounds great. And I'm glad they finally came around to publicly pushing for some of what organizers have been demanding since the people carried Biden to victory last year. Still, a coalition of voting rights groups in Georgia chose a different tactic. They skipped the event, saying that they want concrete action instead of speeches. Latasha Brown is the co-founder of the Black Voters Matter Fund, one of the organizations that led the way to Georgia's historic 2020 victories, and that signed a letter last week asking Biden and Harris not to come to Atlanta without a clear plan of action to pass federal voting rights protections. After all, it's been nearly a year since Georgia passed Senate Bill 202, which Biden himself called Jim Crow in the 21st century. At least 19 states have passed 34 voter restriction laws in 2021, and 88 more restrictive bills across nine states have carried over into the 2022 session. So much is at stake, y'all, and we are running out of time. I spoke to Latasha about what actual legislation needs to be signed into law. Miss Latasha Brown, it is always fantastic to talk to you. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for having me. So let's just dive right into it because we got a, a lot to cover. Yesterday, we know that President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris were in Atlanta, where you live, to talk about voting rights. But you, alongside several other people, said, no, thanks. And you decided not to show up to that speech. Why did you make that choice? Just how frustrated are you? Our intention wasn't to be antagonistic or combative. You know, some have said we call full boycott. Mm -hmm. No, we haven't. That wasn't the spirit of why we didn't attend. We didn't attend because we were very serious around sending the message of how how serious this was for us. Mm. While I think that the speech was a good speech, that time has come and gone. That we're at the point now that we're in action time. It has been a year mm -hmm. since the election and, and a year, you know, as I reflect a year ago, I was displaced from my home and in a safe house because we had received credible threats wow. that we couldn't even be in our homes right after um, the sixth insurrection and we were away from our homes for 10 days. And so I'm raising that, that mm -hmm. this is real. This is literally around how our lives, just because we've been helping to mobilize voters to go to the polls, that our lives have been threatened, right. that we have literally used our resources. We've done everything that we could to actually get the president and Congress to hear 
hear us, that we desperately needed help. And we thought that it was really important to amplify that message yesterday, that it was important that the president knows that we are serious, that at this moment, that mm-hmm. we need him to use the full weight of his office and his position to support voting rights legislation. And those credible threats that came when you were displaced, they didn't just come after January the 6th in that insurrection. They also came after January the 5th when you and a number of other groups created historic turnout and had a historic electoral result in Georgia. And it was a number of those same groups who organized alongside Black Voters Matter that signed this letter urging President Biden to skip his Atlanta trip if they were not going to come with a discernible plan. We're talking about the Asian American Advocacy Fund, Galeo Impact Fund, New Georgia Project Action Fund. We know that Stacey Abrams also had to miss the speech yesterday due to a conflict. I mean, this was really a a team decision. Absolutely. And even the Labor Council. So there was labor. Mm. There were the coalition of of voters, Galeo, which is the Georgia Association of Latino Elected Officials. We had the coalition of people who represent on the ground that are doing the work, mobilizing, helping to mobilize voters, that we're saying that we are frustrated, that we are tired, and it is time up. That at this point, what we expect is just as we deliver to the president, you know, we believe that, that we should have voting rights delivered to us. You know, I let me say this, the part around that I, I will offer to commend President Biden is I think it takes a lot of courage and character to be able to acknowledge publicly mm-hmm. when you were wrong or there was a shortcoming. He himself mm-hmm. in his speech yesterday said that I have been silent for far too long. Mm-hmm. And he talked about that. And I'm raising that because I think it's important to give context to the listeners that this is what we've been saying. We've been saying, where are you? We are fighting. We're getting arrested. We are putting our resources. We are fighting on every level, not just in D.C. Even yesterday when the speech was happening, there were organizers that are part of the coalition that were in Lincoln County, Georgia, which is a county in Georgia, a rural county in Georgia, where the Republicans are seeking to close all of the polling sites and only leave one polling site for the entire county in a county Mm -hmm. that they don't have public transportation. And so I'm raising this because I want people to really understand that for us, it was about accountability. It wasn't just about a calling out. It was about a calling in. We're saying yeah. stand with the people of Georgia as we're doing this work because this is serious and we need action now. So in that calling in together as a group, you wrote an open letter and that letter said, quote, that you all reject any visit by President Biden that does not include an announcement of a finalized voting plan that will pass both chambers not be stopped by the filibuster, and be signed into law. Anything less is insufficient and unwelcome. Has the White House responded formally to that letter yet? They have not. Um, We remain, you know, cautiously optimistic that the White House will put, and the president will put actions behind his words. I think what was interested to hear, even in the speech yesterday, in many ways, I tell people, you know, community organizations wrote that speech yesterday. The things Mm -hmm. that he noted in his speech, that's what folks have been saying. We've been saying that there has to be a carve out of the filibuster. And he, as as well as as several others, have said, no, 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 no. They have actually wanted to, to preserve the filibuster, even 
at the expense of not having voter protection for the base of voters that actually helped get them in office. And so what we mm-hmm. have been saying, we didn't tell them, like, we don't want you in Georgia. Yes, you're welcome to come to Georgia. What we're saying is if you're going to spend time in terms of coming to Georgia, come with the plan. If you are coming just for a speech, it would probably be a better service to do a speech on the well of the Senate. That's who need to hear mm-hmm. it. We understand what's at stake. But aside from that, we've moved past that. We're at a different state now. We're at a level now the speech has happened. We've sent our message. And what we're saying is it is time for work. You know, it's game day. It is time for work. Are the Democrats going to deliver or not? And while we are holding accountable the Democrats, the truth of the matter is we've got to call out that it is the Republicans that have been leading this effort. Not a single Republican will stand up and say that they support voting rights. That is an indicator that we have to have some major structural change in this country, Brittany. Absolutely. So like you said, for many reasons, including activist accountability, President Biden has now finally fully said that he's in favor of changing these Senate filibuster rules in order to specifically pass voting rights. Senate leader Chuck Schumer has also said that he will attempt to get that rules change passed by January 17th. Notably, that is Martin Luther King Day. What do you think about that? Do you feel like those are the right next steps and what has to come after You know, I think that the right next step, I am really trying to keep my mind on what's going forward. But I do think part of the reason why we were begging the president to make this a priority at the beginning of last year for a number of reasons. One, there was a lot of momentum that Democratic voters had come out in record numbers, in historic numbers. And we felt that was the time to actually have the power and the wherewithal to go in and push and make this as a priority issue because you got the momentum Mm -hmm. of the voters with you. And then coming right off of, like you said, it was January 5th and then January 6th, the insurrection, that there were people that were frustrated about that. And so So all of that energy, we do feel that in many ways, the Democratic Party squandered a lot of what we think is the momentum and the energy last year of not making this a priority. No, we are where we are right now. And so I'm not romanticizing this. This is going to be a colossal feat. We have two Mm -hmm. members of the Democratic Party who are literally standing. I call them, they're obstructionists. At least, right? At least two. Because there are probably others hiding behind them. You're talking about Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. Joe Manchin and Cinema, And as you said, there's probably others that are hiding behind them. And what we're saying is smoke them out. At the end of the mm. day, smoke them out. This is a moment of reckoning to either deliver or you mm. got to deal with the consequences. But the bottom line mm. is we have to turn the pressure up. We've got to even be more relentless. The people who are listening to your show, what can you do? You can call and make sure that those congressional lines, that we are tying those lines up and saying we mm-hmm. demand voting rights today. You need to call your senator, your representative, whether they're for it or against it, tell them we need you to work harder. We need you to prioritize this. And the third thing, we need you to stand in coalition with organizations that are on the front lines doing this work. You know, one of the challenges around activism is those that put themselves in front and the line of fire are oftentimes yeah. left there, right, mm. when they're not convenient. That there's this notion, the way you deal with activists is we're going to pull them out like we pull them out of our pocket like they're bulldogs. When we need to sick mm. them on somebody, right? But when the day of accountability comes, that there's a different kind of space that we see. And so I think it's really important for 
your listeners to understand that we need everybody to have a political home or at least support those grassroots organizations that are on the ground doing this work, whether that's in your own community, in your state, or even the groups that are doing the work that we know in some of these states that are really under severe attack right now. So beyond the filibuster, we make the calls to our Congress people, to our senators. What more do we need to tell them to do? You know, I think there's a couple of things. I think one is part of the reason why we've been pushing voting rights is not just on the issue of voting rights in itself. There's a whole agenda. We don't have criminal justice reform, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about student loan debt, right? That we want a cancellation of student loan debt. What we're saying is the baseline is to support voting rights and that we need them to support the agenda that we put them in office. We also need to recognize this is a critical election. Obstructionists, we should be running against them. In every single seat, someone should be challenging those that are standing in the way of not passing voting rights and those other agendas. If we want things to be different, what is clear to me, Brittany, is we have to change what the political landscape looks like. Mm -hmm. We can't continue to operate in this context and that say it's okay. You know, the the bottom line is we have to move beyond our own comfort zone and recognize Mm -hmm. if democracy is going to happen, it's kind of like in in the name of your podcast, we can't be distracted, right? We have to be focused, lean into this, push for the agenda that we want now and do everything we need to do to change the entire political structure, infrastructure and landscape in this country so that we are not constantly being held hostage, right? Mm. By political parties that think that we're a pawn at part of their game instead of really seeing that they work for the interests of the people that put them in power. So what I really hear you is saying is that voting is the gateway drug, right? That voting is the door that opens the ability to transform everything else. So we've got two particular voting rights bills right now. We've got the John Lewis Voting Rights Act that would reinstate federal oversight over changing voting or election laws, right? So this is important for all of those state laws that we've been seeing. We need the federal government to actually be able to reach their hand in and say what's allowed and what's not. And there's also the Freedom to Vote Act which would make election day a holiday. It would limit voter purges. It would allow people to register to vote and cast ballots on the same day. It would create national standards for redistricting, early voting, drop boxes, voting by mail. I mean, we're talking about really comprehensive bills. How hopeful are you that we will see the passing and signing of both the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, again, as an opening salvo to the kind of transformation that needs to happen over time? You know, we have been saying this from day one. We are going to have voting rights legislation in this country. Mm. Now, there's a question of the timing of when we are not going to accept anything else, right? That we are going to win. You know, it is unfortunate that we've got to work this darn hard, that we've got to let this much time go. But we're going to we're going to have voting rights protection. And that ain't going to be the end. That's just the beginning. That there's literally, we're going to move towards having structural change. Yeah. It's the same way that I see when people ask me about black liberation. That ain't yeah. optional. Yeah. That, you know, it's, it's a matter of how do we keep moving the ball forward that we build a representative democracy that we all desire and mm-hmm. we deserve. And so I feel very confident that yeah. during this administration, we will have voting rights legislation. You know, I think that is extremely ambitious to think that it will happen, you know, on Monday. You know, I think part of that 
I'm still also really recognizing. I don't think that if, if, if we're now at the 11th hour yeah. and the president is just now coming out saying he's been silent for the last year and Manchin or Senator Manchin and Cinema, who have been openly saying that they're not going to um, budge on the carve out of the, of the filibuster, right. then I don't know where that leaves us in this moment. I don't know where that leaves the Senate in this moment. What I will say is that we are going to be relentless in our effort to make sure that we do get voting rights legislation passed this year and absolutely, definitely during this current administration. I mean, you say that there's no other option, and I couldn't agree with you more, but really set the stakes out for us. How urgent is the passing of this legislation? What happens if we don't get this done and we don't get this done, as we say, asexually? You know, we are seeing democracy be unraveled in front of our eyes. Mm. We cannot look at this as this is just another policy. This is just another bill that'll get passed and not know. If this bill doesn't get passed, we won't get anything done, y'all. Mm. Like nothing that is actually going to look for the interests of the kind of pluralist society that we represent and that exists. And so we don't have a choice or we have to literally ensure and push this forward. What we are seeing already is happening. We saw it last year, immediately after the election, you saw in over 48 states around the nation where there were legislation that was being introduced, carried by Republicans to actually in some way restrict access to the ballot, making it harder to vote, weaponize the administrative process, creating processes like what we see in Georgia, that they are literally empowering themselves to be able to take over the election boards, to actually be able to put themselves in a position that if they don't like the results, yeah. that they can actually overturn the results. That is really how serious it is. Mm. This precedent that has been set, what we're seeing happen in Georgia with the SB202 bill that was passed last year that talks about you can't give water in line they shorten the absentee ballot period. You know, when you're looking at those kinds of things, they're not just happening in a vacuum in Georgia. Yeah. They're happening all over this country. When people show up to vote for a candidate and they are punished, right, because of who they voted or how they voted for, that is such a dangerous precedent. No matter where you are on the spectrum, that opens us up to yeah. a whole new world of how we be engaged in elections. And so we want people to understand the critical nature of this because this isn't just about a win or a loss of a bill. This is really around the dismantling of the infrastructure that protects at least the rights of citizens to be able to participate in a process of deciding who governs them and under what conditions they're governed. Which is the most basic aspect of a democracy. So if we're not preserving that, there's no democracy at bottom, at base. You talk about Georgia. Georgia is certainly everywhere in terms of the kind of challenges we're seeing to voting rights. But Georgia also has some very specific battles coming up. In this midterm season, we've got Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock, Reverend Warnock, who of course defeated Republican Kelly Leffler in the runoff election last year. He has to run again because his term expires in 2023. And then, of course, there's Stacey Abrams, who's once again running for governor of Georgia. Lots of us feel like she actually won last time. But what's your sense of voters' feelings and organizers' feelings? Is there a worry that frustrations may lead to disengagement? Or do you feel like folks are just as ready as ever to show up and fight? Listen, I can't. And good faith say that we aren't tired. Yes, we have been working nonstop. Yeah. We are tired, right? Yeah. But what is driving us has never been, dri we. I've never been driven, 
because of a candidate or a political party. I actually am driven on principle. Yeah. And my passion on this principle around the folks in Georgia, there's a new coalition in Georgia. The people in Georgia deserve better mm-hmm. and more. That is what's driving me and is going to drive other organizations that are on the ground that have said consistently, we're not going to stop do the work. Matter of fact, we're going to lean in. Mm. So that's what we're telling the Senate. Like, how dare you tell us Hmm. what you can't do? You better get it done. Mm. Like, you got to lean in. Right. And so that's part of what we will do this next year. If there's any time that it was clear that we need this state needs, desires and deserves the kind of leadership that is literally inclusive Mm. of all Georgians, the kind of leadership that is going to set a context that we're not punished because of how we voted, who we voted for, but that there is some sense of equity and justice in this state, regardless of whether you are on this uh, political spectrum, regardless of what your identity is, that this is the moment that that gubernatorial election, in my opinion, is probably one of the most critical moments that we have coming up. Not because it's about a candidate, even a candidate that I love and desire and support, but it really is around, it is time for people to take power, Mm. for us to put the kind of leadership in office that is going to be accountable to us, is going to create the kind of state that's going to move us forward, not move us backwards. A state that literally is going to be the leader, right? What As I think about Georgia, Georgia has a possibility and the potential to be the leader in the South to create and bring into being this full new South Mm. that this coalition of when you see Asian Americans Mm -hmm. um, and Latinx brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. and African American communities and our white brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. and our indigenous brothers and sisters and our first generation brothers and sisters that are working here and our immigrant brothers and sisters that are working together. That is what happened. That's how we flip Georgia. That is how we're going to change Georgia. It didn't just start about a presidential election It wasn't about one transaction, one transactional election. For us, it has always been, Brittany, about how we going to transform the lives of our people, how we going to create the kind of context, right, that the very state that our people were enslaved will be the state that is actually going to break it open Mm. for a new South to rise up so that our people can take our rightful place, that we can literally live the kind of life that we want and we deserve like everybody else. What do black people want? We want what everybody else wants. We want quality education. Mm -hmm. We want quality jobs. We Mm -hmm. want to be treated and fairly. We want our humanity to be respected. It's really that simple. And what I am really happy about is this is one of the, the moments in my life that gives me hope. The kind of coalition that is developing in Georgia, that is intergenerational, Mm. that is literally multiracial. Yeah. That people are coming from all different walks together and we're working together and forming this new coalition. That's the new South is rising. That new South is rising. And the truth of the matter is they may be able to delay it, but they can't stop it. And that is the perfect place to end it. Can't stop, won't stop. Latasha Brown, (laughs) I always appreciate your energy, your fire, your passion, and your absolute love for humanity. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you do. And thanks for joining us at Undistracted. Thank you, Brittany. Latasha Brown is an activist, political strategist, and co-founder of the Black Voters Matter Fund. For more information and to support, you can go to blackvotersmatterfund.org. Power concedes nothing without a demand. 
It never has and it never will. Let me tell y'all, Frederick Douglass knew exactly what he was talking about when he said that. Alongside Harriet Tubman and other black abolitionists, he publicly admonished a very centrist Abraham Lincoln, who, yes, actually needed to be convinced to swiftly and decidedly abolish slavery. And it can be terrifying to challenge our political allies and friends, but there is always a multitude of tactics we have to employ for our freedom. The outside game matters just as much as the inside game. So no matter what position you decide to play in this fight for our voting rights, shifting policy from the inside, agitating from the outside, organizing communities, or all of it at once, just make sure you get in on the action because none of this is a game. That's it for today, but never for tomorrow. Undistracted is a production of The Meteor and Pineapple Street Studios. Our lead producer is Rachel Matlow. Our associate producer is Alexis Moore. Thanks always to Treasure Brooks, Grace Chen, and Hannes Brown. Our executive producers at The Meteor are Cindy Levy and myself. And our executive producers at Pineapple are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. You can follow me at Ms. Pacchetti on all social media and our team at The Meteor. Subscribe to Undistracted, y'all, and rate and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening, thanks for being, and most definitely thanks for doing. I'm Brittany Packnett Cunningham. Let's go get free. <laughs>